Guys, I cannot believe it, but we're about to go into season three of the Jewel Show podcast. And as we're doing a lot of prepping for it, we're going to spend a couple of weeks kind of looking back on different episodes that we've aired. And so I asked my team to said, what episode really spoke to you? Now, you might not realize it, that when we are doing a Jewel Show podcast there, it takes a village. And one of the people in this village is my producer, Anne. She sits with me during every single episode. Anne... You're no stranger, but people might not know you. So why don't you uh, give a give us an introduction of uh, of Anne, the producer? Oh, okay. Well, you know, you gosh. keep me in line. Yep, keep me in line. Okay, I'll I'll be I'm I'm gonna be good. No, <laughs> she's well, the person that calls you on the phone. Uh, she makes sure I don't double book myself on the calendar. Uh, what what else is in your job description? Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, I yeah. Well, you know, we have worked together for three years, and so um, I think you and I have. There's really just one brain, right? It's, yeah, it's just one big brain we share. I think, that's right. Sometimes. That's right. And my kids lovingly call you the candy lady because a lot of times I have to bring my children with me on occasion, and we need just like one, two more minutes left, and so Anne just starts throwing candy at them, and you know. You know, kids, Absolutely. they will do whatever Absolutely. you ask if you just throw candy at them. So, uh, so Anne, welcome. And I can't wait to hear what your favorite episode is. Oh, my gosh. And we've told so many unique stories over the years. I mean, we've got, you know, comedy tragedy. We've got, you know, unique ministries and, and just, uh, you know, amazing testimonies. But I think uh, looking back, the one that... Uh, really resonated with my heart, and you know, you kind of, you know, I kind of have a feel for liking the stories that are really kind of the the hot button issues a little bit. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the stories that kind of force us to get out of our comfortable Christian zone and really see how that touches our hearts. So I think the one that really did that for me was going all the way back to I believe it was our very first episode on the Jewel Show, and that was um, Miriam Nelson. Uh, you remember that one? I do. Nelson? You went way back when you picked it. Yeah, I did. I did deep dive into the archive, didn't I? But um, Miriam Nelson is the director of the Athens Pregnancy Center. And that lady has, if there's anybody who has been anointed to fill a role for God's ministry with um, unplanned pregnancies, it would be Miriam. She mm. is just an amazing story. And I think the reason that her story resonated so well with me is because it talks about, and I'm not going to, I don't want to reveal too much information about that because let's face it, I'm a good producer and I want to tee y'all up to go listen to that episode, right? <laughs> yes. No, I, I know that that is, that was a really tremendous, we got a lot of feedback from the listeners. Um, just hearing how God redeemed uh, Miriam's story. And you know what? And it's funny. I actually, before I asked you, I kind of knew that was going to be the one that you picked because you have referenced that. I don't know if you're aware of it throughout the years. Like you have gone back to be like, Hey, remember Miriam said this and this and this. Uh, So I could have, I think I could have answered this for you when I asked the question. Yeah. I just loved it because, and I think that the thing that uh, I took away from that was it was way more than just a commentary sort of on the social issue of, um, you know, abortion and things like that. But it's some things that were really what Miriam said about a bigger issue and things that I'm just looking at now. I'm, I was thinking of her two days ago about things to do with, you know, how, um, you know, we as Christians have to be really careful about what we listen to from 
things in culture and also things um, from our our leader our, our our country's leaders because sometimes just because we're told that something is legal doesn't necessarily mean that that is something that is okay for us as Christians to do and so that's sort of the um, thread that Miriam. Uh, you know, that's sort of the needle that she threaded with her story. And I just have, I've thought so much about her words. And I mean, I just am so thankful for, for that story and that we were able to tell it. And so, um, you know, that was, I think, mine that really just, uh, you know, wow. Now that we've teased the the listeners, I'm excited also to re-listen to Miriam's story. But it's really not even Miriam's story, it's God's story of how he is uh, redeeming her and using her story in the lives of others. So, Sit back and enjoy. This is my producer Anne's favorite one. Hey, I am Jules. You know, so oftentimes we talk about how God takes broken things and he and he heals, redeems, and then he uses it in the lives of others. But you have to be willing to place it in his hands and find forgiveness. So we're talking with Miriam Nelson. She's the executive director of the Athens Pregnancy Center, and she has the great privilege of seeing women be redeemed and restored through a post-abortion Bible study that y'all are doing, a recovery Bible study. And she's with us. Miriam, thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me, Jules. You know, there's a scripture, Miriam, and it's Romans 3. 23 through 24. And that's that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And you are seeing that, that you're seeing through God's grace, women being redeemed from abortions that happened 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We have a Bible study for given and set free. And it is amazing to see women first come to the recognition that they need healing. They have to come to that moment of mm-hmm. even if they've made and I can tell you in my own personal journey, it was a moment of I had made a profession of faith. I thought I had been fully healed. I had been healed and restored from Jesus Christ from a point of salvation. Sure. But I did not have forgiveness and freedom in my testimony. And so it's that deep, dark secret. That well, and explain down. that. Well, explain that to me. You said freedom in your testimony. What, what does that look like? Yeah. For me, um, specifically, if you go back to my story and you look at where it began, you know, when I was a 17 year old girl in 1985, going into my senior year of high school, um, I made a decision. Um, it was a life altering change for me. It was a choice to lose my virginity. And in that moment of that choice, I became pregnant. And so... Well, and people need to get a picture Mm -hmm. of who Miriam was. Mm -hmm. You weren't somebody who had never heard the gospel. You weren't somebody (laughs) who never went to vacation Bible school. I mean, you were raised in the church. No, I was. I was. I had a grandfather who was a Methodist minister, um, pastors in our family, in our extended family. Um, My dad was an elder in the church. My parents raised us by strong biblical and spiritual convictions and principles. And so I had heard it my entire life, and I knew what it it meant 
want to come to know Jesus and to make a profession of faith and come to a point of salvation. Um, going into my um, summer of t- 1985, when all of this happened, I was I knew Jesus was pursuing me. I knew he was actively pursuing me. I felt it. I was sitting in the pews on Sunday. I was at home and I it was this constant mm. conviction that I needed to take this step. And I chose not to. Um, primarily because I was going into my senior year of high school and I had been a good compliant girl my whole entire life and I wanted to have what I thought was really a lot of fun. It's going to be Miriam's year. It was going to be my year. It was going to be a lot of fun. So uh-huh. um, that 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 choice is what led to um, a part of that choice is what led to where I where I got um, with making this decision of um, of losing my virginity and becoming pregnant. So well, and take us back. To finding out that you were pregnant, who did you go to? Who mm-hmm. who, who did you seek advice from? Mm-hmm. I had an aunt and uncle who lived in Alabama that I was extremely close to. And um, I always had an open relationship with my mom and dad. Talked to them very much about everything. So initially, as soon as I found out um, and knew that I was, um, I um, called my aunt said, hey, can I come for a visit? Went for a visit. And uh, she took me to the doctor and we confirmed what we knew was true. We confirmed where I was in the pregnancy. Um, And then quickly, we told my uncle that afternoon and he immediately said, we have to call your parents. And uh, I said, Mm. I I knew that. So we called my parents. My parents came down that weekend. Um, The four of us sat down together and discussed, uh, you know, what was happening. and what. So you sat down with your mom and dad and Mm -hmm. your aunt and uncle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, big kitchen table conversation. I'll never forget it um, at their house. And uh, yeah, basically said this is this is choice I made in the moment. Um, It was someone that I did not know. It was a one-time encounter, um, so I did not know the father of the baby, did not ever tell the father of the baby. Um, that mm-hmm. was a big area of concern for my dad, um, that we did not even know anything about this guy. Um, we didn't know his past. We didn't know where he came from. Um, so that was a big part of his initial emotion processing through, was how do I find this guy? Who is he? <laughs> sure. um, and and with my mom, it was more just the uh, heartbreak. So as you can imagine, as a father, he was very angry. Uh-huh. My mom was very brokenhearted. Um, And I look back now and I know that a lot of that for her was the initial grieving process of the potential loss of what she had for hopes and dreams for my future. Um, She didn't know what was going to happen next. So, yeah. Yeah. Because your parents... I mean, they took you to church. I mean, they they're, yeah. they were, they are and they were God-fearing people. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, we were in the church all the time. We were one of those households that had, uh, you know, uh, Gaither music playing all the time, yes, you know, through yes. the house on the stereo and my parents singing and loving the Lord and serving in the church faithfully. So, yeah, I knew what it was to come to know Jesus. I just resisted that mm-hmm. um, and made that conscious choice to resist that that summer. Mm-hmm. You know, little did I know that this life-altering decision was going to cast me into a place of deep, dark despair, um, emotion. So in that, with the decision-making process, my parents um, very much, and I've never um, blamed them. I've never looked back. Um, when I went through the Bible study many years later in life, we processed through a lot of that. I really had to bring a lot of that back to the surface as far as memories that I had suppressed. Mm. And I look back, and I never I never blamed my parents for giving me 
an option of having an abortion. They basically said, this is your choice. This is your life. We'll support you in whatever you do. Um, you know that reality is, you know, you can um, terminate the pregnancy. You can have an abortion and move on with your life. Or you can choose to place an adoption. My aunt and uncle offered for me to move to Alabama, have the baby. They would help us raise the baby or we would place an adoption. So there was that option. Or I could have parented. And my parents would have rallied around me and supported me. What I looked at and ultimately in my decision making process, what we know is in the book, her choice to heal. Sydney Massa talks about the mindset of a woman who is contemplating abortion. And she says specifically um, that we look at it as an escape, that most of us did not make this choice in a murderous mindset, but in a fearful state, not necessarily considering other choices. Um, And I believed that my decision to have an abortion was for the greater good of my entire family, with my dad being an elder in the church, um, my family being a good standing family in the community. I did not want my family's reputation Mm -hmm. to be destroyed because of this. And back in the 1980s, this was 1985, um, you know, it was one of those things where women were starting to have more and more abortions because it had been legalized back in 1973. So it was becoming more of a cultural norm, Uh but yet this was a totally new foreign concept to our household. So when I look back at that and look at, because I know one of the things that my daughter asked me when I told her in middle school that I had had an abortion was I'm very surprised that, you know, her grandparents had not pulled out God's word and said, hey, this is what God's word says about life. Well, Miriam, yeah. I mean, I'm sure right now, you know, someone's listening and they're saying, Wait, your dad was an elder at a church and, and he drove you to the abortion clinic? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he even let abortion be an option. Yeah. But it was. It was in the 80s. Yeah. And the, the conception of an abortion was just a small little procedure. Mm-hmm. You won't even look back on that day. Mm-hmm. And then you'll go back to school the next day and, mm-hmm. and your life will continue. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't. No, no. Did you even know when you were in the abortion clinic that this was going to change you? This was going to be a huge thing. Was there ever that thought? Mm-mm. I really didn't realize because when I went to the OBGYN and our pediatrician at home, who we had been to for years and my mom very much trusted, was also involved in the verification of my pregnancy process. And so when we looked at that back then, mm-hmm. ultrasounds weren't as common. So we didn't have an ultrasound, had a urine pregnancy test, went to the abortion clinic. Didn't have any further testing to confirm the pregnancy when I got to the abortion clinic. It was a very cold atmosphere. You go in. They don't talk to you about other options. You're there for a purpose. So you go into that environment. Um, you go through the questionnaire. You do the clinical intake. And then you wow. go back and have the procedure. And no ultrasound. No. No baby no, heartbeat. No, no. No looking at any of that. No. no. No verifying. And it was very much that mindset for me of this isn't even really a life yet. This isn't even really a baby yet. Even though my mom was an nurse, even though I was going to nursing school, I had dreamed of being an OBGYN nurse from the time I was in middle school. And this was very much going into my senior year of high school. I was applying to colleges. I was already Mm -hmm. looking at where I was going to go to fulfill this dream. So it really makes no logical sense when you look back at a lot of those things. But isn't that how Satan does it? He deceives us. He he, he whispers those lies and and we just grab onto them. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and another lie, Miriam, that, that Satan whispers is that redemption and healing are for others, not for you, Miriam. Oh, gosh. You yeah. can't have forgiveness. Yeah. Now, God might forgive you. But, you know, you could never forgive yourself. No. And that's that's exactly where I got when I alluded earlier to the fact that 
I was in a deep, dark sure. state. Um, I went for the abortion. It was in June of 1985 and came home. And my mom took care of me for a few days. My brother and sister did not know wow. and did not know for many years. They thought I was sick. I was at home for a couple of days, just basically in my room recovering. Um, I went into what I know now was depression. It was a deep, dark place. It was that place of extreme remorse, extreme regret. Um, hmm. I knew as soon as I had done it what I had done. And I remember continuing to, even though I did not have a relationship with Jesus, I had not officially asked Jesus into my heart. I had not made that profession of faith. I knew enough of God's word to know to go to God's word. I knew enough of faith to know to seek out faith. And so I pulled out my Bible, and I am here to tell you mm. one night in my bedroom, a couple of months after my abortion, I was in my room. It was in the middle of the night because I definitely, part of the depression exhibited in me through not being able to sleep well. And so I was up in the middle of the night in my room, three o'clock in the morning, and, and just pulled out the Bible, and Psalm 51 Oh, the song, Psalm of David, and just the story of God's redemptive power, him telling me that while you will remember the sin, it is not the unforgivable, unpardonable sin. I will wash that sin whiter mm. than snow. I will forgive your transgressions. I will restore you. And so I really have for my whole entire life clung to that verse, to that scripture that, you know what, because there are moments when that creeps back in of you're not worthy. Oh, there's that insecurity and and things along those lines and you you go back and you cling to that you know god i know that when i go before my heavenly father that he is not no longer going to ask me Miriam, why didn't you come to me for forgiveness? Why didn't you, you know, why didn't you seek me in this? He's going to say, what did you do with it? Mm -hmm. What did you do with it? Well, so. and, and that, Miriam, was something I wanted to talk to you about, because I think when we have a total failure in our lives, and it might not be an abortion in your past, it, it might be something totally yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we want to have this great experience with God of forgiveness, and he does sometimes give that to us, but oftentimes Satan will... Um, drum up our past and um, and and say, yeah, but you are this. Mm -hmm. You are that. So you're telling me, the executive director of the Athens Pregnancy Center, this is a daily mm -hmm. surrendering, a daily mm -hmm. uh, a forgiving mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and pointing back to the scripture that, that God gave you all those years ago. Yeah, absolutely. He continually shows me that he is refining me. Yeah. He's training. We're in training ground. And even though I have gone through full redemption and forgiveness from him, I've gone through the phases mm. of sharing my story with those who are very important in my life. First, my husband before we even got married. You know, I had that night, I fell down on my face on my floor um, in my room, and I prayed through that scripture, and I gave my life to the Lord. I also promised to God that night, that if he ever brought me a man to marry, that I would tell him before we got married, I would be truthful and honest with him in that he would know that mm. part of me. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that when it came to fruition, when it came to that moment of me meeting Steve when I was graduating nursing school years later, and I told Steve that day, you know, 
he had to process through forgiveness. He had no clue. Again, I had that persona and that look of being this person who had lived this perfect little life in a perfect mm-hmm. little family. You're a and, church girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> such a clean church girl. And he just loved that. And that was something he was attracted to. So when I shared that with him very early on in our relationship, because we did know within a few months <laughs> that, that we were the ones, um, <laughs> he was able to process through forgiveness and able to move forward in that relationship with me. And I believe that that even is part of the beautiful redemption yeah. story. Recently, he's been telling people of this story, of our story, and this part of our abortion, my past, mm. comes forth in conversations he's having because mm. people want to know, why is she working at the pregnancy center? What got her there? And so, mm. yeah, I can tell you, as women, we deal with a lot of areas of insecurity. And like you just said, whether that's with the, the past sin of abortion, the past sin of whatever else, God brings these feelings to our heart and our mind, but he wants to continue continually refine us, grow us, and train us to be who he wants us to be today Mm -hmm. and use that story how he wants us to use that today. And that looks very different for a lot of people. And it's a process. It is such a long and ongoing process. It's never ending. Because Satan is is looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll do whatever, whatever he can. Yes. He loves to distract and discourage. And discouragement is one of the ways I think that he loves to drag us down as women. You know, you're not worthy. You can't stand. You can't do this. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I can't in and of my own power, in and of my own love, in and of my own abilities, but because of God's power, because of God's mercy, because of the fruits of the Spirit that come from a relationship with the Lord and being intimate with the Lord, we can walk out this walk and this journey of life. Mm -hmm. How do you see God use your testimony day in and day out? Um, we're the women who come through the doors of the Athens Pregnancy Center. Oh, wow. It is always that consistent reminder of she is here and she did not just get to her moment of decision today. Her life and her journey before she even gets to us her behaviors, her actions, her attitudes, her beliefs, her values, her priorities mm. are what get her to the situation of being in an unexpected pregnancy. And so what we do when they get to us and we pray continually that the moment they walk through our doors, they sense a, 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 an environment and just a atmosphere of calm, an atmosphere of being able to just settle in. And then process through the decision making. Um, We have women who come to us from all different walks of life. It is amazing the diversity of what we see. There's definitely like a perception that there are these young high school, college age girls coming to us. Oh, they're just being wild. They're doing their thing. They're the Mm -hmm. ones getting pregnant. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, just last week. We have 30-something-year-old women coming in, and whether they've been in an adulterous affair, whether they're they're married and, and um, have a, experienced something along those lines, and now they're thinking abortion because of the infidelity in the relationship, and they don't want their husband to know, and they're trying to hide that, or whether there are mm-hmm. um, women who come to us who have been married, had children, and now they're later in life, and they're adult dating, and they're um, sexually active, and they're having these relationships, and now they come to us pregnant with someone that they're not married to, and they're older. 
Um, but there are the our our highest number of women that come to us are in that early twenties range. Not all of them are in college. We see many different walks of life. We do see the girls who are on scholarship at UGA. We do see um, the girls who are in our community at some of the other colleges. We do see um, girls in that age range who have not yet gone to college and are still trying to figure out where their hopes and dreams are. We do see the women who have gotten pregnant um, Mm -hmm. at 15, 16, 17 and are now pregnant again and having subsequent pregnancies and still in an unexpected pregnancy situation. So we talk a lot at the Pregnancy Center and we focus a lot with her in that initial encounter on her. It is a listening visit. It is a moment to hear her heart, where she's been, and what got her there. And it's a moment to help her slow down and go, okay, fact of the matter today is you are or are not pregnant because we do have girls that come to us and their pregnancy test will be negative. That gives us an awesome opportunity to speak to them about where they are in their lives, what they're looking for in relationships. How, how do you live out a life of sexual integrity? And purity. Mm. And people think that's impossible in this day and age. And sure. it is not. It is mm-hmm. it is the God's it is God's call on our life as Christ followers to live that life. And so we want to help them come from where they are and we want them to understand that there's never Never a life circumstance or never a decision that takes you too far. We've talked a lot about yeah. where God where God God doesn't have boundaries in that. Mm-hmm. His forgiveness is endless and doesn't have boundaries. So it's that moment of us coming with 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 a heart of forgiveness, a heart of repentance, a heart of knowing and, and professing with our lips. God, I've done this, and this is not something that you wanted me to do. Our reality is that 60 to 70 percent of the women and girls that we see profess to have a relationship with Jesus. Wow. So, so they know that what they're doing is outside of the boundaries of his will. We're just getting an opportunity to kind of redirect them and our heart's desire and our and, prayer. And slow them down. Yes. Slow down. Oh, You're yeah. not in a rush. Make this no. decision and realize that this will be a decision that impacts you forever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you you were, you know, going into your senior year and you thought, okay, I'll have this little thing. It'll be over. And, and it wasn't. No, no. It wasn't. And, 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 and to slow them down and realize. Yeah. Um, and then, Miriam, like we just touched on the beginning uh, when we first started talking about this other layer, and that is mm-hmm. the, um, the post-abortion recovery Bible study. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so oftentimes when we think about Athens Pregnancy Center, we think about, okay, when, women who are finding themselves in a crisis pregnancy, but also you're helping those who have made the choice of abortion, thinking this will be something small, something simple, I'll go on, and then they have lived with this decision mm-hmm. and, and the shame and the guilt for mm-hmm. all these years. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing women in our community be set free through this Bible study. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have women come to us from all walks of life. And it's very interesting that um, I can tell you a little snippet from my story is that if you fast forward from the time of the abortion to when I met Steve, told Steve, we were married. We've now been married for 28 years, praise God. But after we had been married four years, we were a little bit older. We were in our late 20s when we got married. Um, we decided, okay, we're going to try to get pregnant again and uh, or get pregnant. And we did. And we conceived very easily. And in that, um, a few months into the pregnancy, I had not been to the doctor yet, but I started exhibiting symptoms of a miscarriage. And being a nurse at that point, I knew to go to the doctor and to get things checked. And, and so at 
the same gestation at which I had my abortion when I was 17 years old, um, here I was in my mid to late 20s, I was having a miscarriage at the same gestation. And my whole mindset had changed about the life of that child at that point um, and what my perception was. And so for me, that is when, at the point of my miscarriage, is when really, truly, what sanctity of human life start is started settling into my spirit. And so it was that whole resurfacing mm. with that pregnancy and having a miscarriage, not only for me, the guilt and shame of what I had made as a choice in the past and the wonder of, okay, Lord, are you never going to let me have children? Because, are you judging me? Yes. Is, it, is this my punishment is yeah. where I would go in my mindset. And what we know is while we have a God who does discipline, while we have a God who disciplines us for our good, um, we do not have a God who's mean and vindictive and wants us to experience hurt. But yet he expects us to learn through every circumstance that he allows in our life. And everything is training ground for growing us. Mm -hmm. in our walk with him. And so when I was going through that, not only did I experience and all of those feelings resurfaced, which is very common for women with subsequent pregnancies, whether it's an extremely healthy pregnancy, um, or whether women start to experience infertility issues, that's a very common thing that we see at the pregnancy center, or whether we have women who have had just repetitive circumstances of pregnancies and, and that just resurfaces. That's definitely a trigger. It's not only a trigger for her, it's a trigger for him. I can tell you for Steve in our life and in our walk, when I had the miscarriage, a lot of feelings came to surface from him of, are his hopes and dreams of having children never going to come to fruition because of my past? Mm -hmm. And he wasn't involved in that. So we had to process through a lot. Yeah. And then the forgiveness has to rehappen and the refining continues and the growth continues. So you get constant opportunity with women who come to us at the Pregnancy Center. They come from all different walks of life mm -hmm. and they come from different moments of that surfacing for them. So a lot of times when the women come to us, they're coming to us to volunteer because they do have a past and they have a heart's desire to pour back into women who are walking this journey that they've walked. What we do is we encourage them to go through this forgiven and set free Bible study. Yeah. When they profess to have a belief in Jesus, if they've been through some type of healing that's not a formal process, we really like for them to go through this Bible study. It's a very in-depth, deep study. Um, we have two incredible facilitators. God has just sent us three more <laughs> incredible facilitators such an answer to prayer because unfortunately because the numbers of abortions in our culture are continuing to rise this continues to be a choice at hand that yeah. people are very um, much following through with because at this point our society our law our legal system says that it's okay to yeah. do it so people think it's okay to do it what we know is that even though the law of the land says it's okay God's law does not and so we continue to not condemn them or judge them in those moments that they come to us but come alongside them and see how we can help them experience and, and that take it out of the darkness. You know what I mean? Yes. I think so oftentimes we can yes. live so many years in darkness and thinking, I am saved. I'm a Christian woman. I'm a Christian mom. I'm I'm even, you know, leading Sunday school classes. 
And, but there's a part of my heart that I'm going to leave in the dark and I'm not going to let God's light shine on there. Mm-mm. Oh, it's so suppressing. Yeah. And it's an, it's an area of bondage yeah. that we allow to stay there. You know, for me, it was an area of, oh, I had been forgiven. I had been set free, but I'm not going to speak of it publicly. I'm not mm. going to tell. And, but it was it was a long, enduring process of, and it still is, like you just said, it's day in and day out mm-hmm. that these feelings come to surface and that you have to process through this. Um, there are a lot of women sitting in our church pews who, when when we go to speak at a church, I can tell you from very real personal experience, I will be asked by a pastor to come in and share a testimony or share about the pregnancy center and what we do. And women will come forth. Men will come forth wow. and say, hey, thank you for sharing today because I experienced that in my past. And I've never heard anybody talk about it the way that you did before. And I believe that I need to take this step forward. And men mm. who I was in awe the night that I shared my testimony at a Georgia Right to Life meeting and a older man came up to me and said, my wife and I had an abortion illegally back before it was legal. And he was like, we dealt with that. We suppressed that for so many years. When she was on her deathbed, she wanted to tell our two sons, don't let it go that long. Don't let God not use you mm. and use your story. Don't let that light not shine through. Yeah. Be the woman of faith who has the courage to step forward and say, this is part of my past. This is where I want to go with this, Lord. And and once you say yes to God, that not only are you going to take a step in healing in this area of life, but you're going to allow him to start opening up opportunity. And whether that's for you to... Simply be in tune to every encounter you have, because guess what? Your children, once they get into their 20s, because I'm experiencing this now, are going to have friends who become pregnant unexpectedly. Your your people that you know in middle school, in your circle of influence, women and men who you are going to church with are going to have kids and grandkids who unexpectedly become pregnant because our society says that it is totally a norm to be sexually active and even promiscuous in this yeah. current culture. And, and as long as you're using birth control, you're okay, where we know that that's not 100%. Mm-hmm. And so we know that that's not by God's design. Mm-hmm. We at the Pregnancy Center want women to experience the holistic approach of family. We want women and men to walk in that journey of the abundant life by God's design for family. And the way to protect that and the way for our country and our world to get back to that is by looking at the relationship first. What are you looking for in that relationship from that man? And why are you willing to go there in those boundaries, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and whether you exceed those boundaries or whether you stay within those boundaries, where are you going with that? So mm. that's our heart just yeah. to teach relationship. And what it means to get back to that lifestyle of, you know what, this is my choice as a woman. I am empowered as a woman to make this choice to protect my body because it is the temple of the Lord. And so let's go ahead and figure out as a culture how to help them live in that mindset rather than living in this whole other um, worldview (laughs) that we see today. Right, right. Miriam, before we wrap up our time together, would you spend some time just talking to that, that woman or like you said, that, that man out there who um, made the decision to have an abortion, and now they are just gripped with the shame of their past. Um, and they say, okay, that sounds great, Miriam. I'm glad you had freedom, and I'm glad that you have forgiveness, but that's not for me. That God can't, God's grace cannot reach me where I am. Mm. I would say be encouraged. 
It can. <laughs> um, first and foremost, the point of recognition of where we are in our lives. The point of, and that's one of the reasons that I have such a strong conviction to speak of my story. It is never easy. I always get a knot in my throat. Um, just a, just believe that God has you in this place and he has you in this moment and he has you hearing this message for a purpose. We don't go through life. Um, if we go through life, just not paying attention to what God is offering us. Sometimes his voice speaks through his words, speaks through prayer, speaks through teaching that we hear, definitely speaks through our pastors, but sometimes it's through the radio. Sometimes it's through the voice of a person who's had an experience very similar to yours that opens our perspective to, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in this. I'm mm -hmm. not the only person who's experienced this walk. And, um, and we know, because we know that 56 million abortions are occurring in our world today, wow. uh, one per second. You know, we know that this is occurring on a regular basis. So we know there are a lot of hearts out there of men and women who are in need of healing. We know that that's from the past, as you said before, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And we know that that is present in our very day today. Today, men and women are choosing abortion. And so I would say, have the courage. Take that step. Don't get in the mindset that you have to be fully restored and redeemed. And don't even use me as your example or your guide because I am not where you are. I was where you are. But I want you to walk that journey and understand mm. that it's a process and that it's a phase. And I just had a woman in my office just in the past few weeks who has gone through the Bible study and is now coming to work for us at the Pregnancy Center. And she had done a timeline just over the past year. And she was just in awe. I mean, just in tears, overwhelmed with the goodness of God when she said yes. When she said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to take this step, and I'm going to surrender it, and I'll be ready and available to whatever you have to come next, God. And so taking that step, doing the next thing, mm -hmm. praying through that, and being okay with the pace at which mm -hmm. God sets you at through the healing process. And know it's okay. a process. Absolutely. And it's an ongoing process. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't end. It yeah. continues to grow So and go. So. Yeah. Well, Miriam, I um, started our conversation with a Bible verse, and I, I want to mm -hmm. end it now mm -hmm. with the same Bible verse, because I mm -hmm. think um, we just need to be reminded that God's grace is for everyone and it's for all sins. There's not yes. some select sins that God's grace does not touch. Yes. And I started it with Romans 3, 23 through 24. And if this is something that's in your past, um, an abortion or, or something else, you know, that, that, that you say, this is, this is where I hide in the deepest parts of my heart. Would you just listen to the scripture right now? Cause this is God's word for you. That's that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And if you're listening right now, Reach out to Miriam. She's at the Athens Pregnancy Center. You can find her. Go knock on their door. Go to the website. You can get all her contact information. Um, that is the executive director of Miriam Nelson. Miriam, you know it is um, difficult before we even started recording. I even asked you. I said, you know, I know this was something that happened when you were 17, and you share your testimony a lot now, and you were given this opportunity to speak with them. And does it ever get easier to share your testimony? And you said, 
No. No, absolutely. It's an ongoing process, and it's an ongoing reminder. And I believe that that's where God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. He wants us to remember where we've come from mm-hmm. in order to experience what He has next. <laughs>